0: With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, right to go Kudrow. Score! Patrick Kudrow!
1: Well, we might be getting a little bit closer Hearing Dave Michigan call and Nikita Kucherov goal—it's something that broke over the weekend, and because we were off yesterday, Eric Rolston and I did not have a chance to weigh in and get your thoughts on phase two and uh, where the NHL is as uh, they look to return to play at some point. But we've started to see some steps being taken for the league to get back to normal and maybe have hockey by August. Possibly. That's just me talking out loud. But, of course, that's what we do for one hour each and every day. Hope you had an opportunity to spend some time with your family as you have been this weekend. You grilled some burgers, some hot dogs, and remembered, again, why we have uh, Memorial Day, the the men and women who pay the ultimate sacrifice to give us the freedom to do things like this. And... um it's something we all have to keep in mind. We've got a, a fun show planned for you today. And let me bring in Eric Erlandson, our good friend here. E, good to be with you, bud. And um, a lot of news came out the last couple of days. And uh, we've got a big guest coming up on our next segment to discuss.
2: Yeah, lots of news came out over the weekend. Uh, a little bit after we went off the air on Friday, the players did vote for the 24-team. Format for a play in to get to the playoffs. So we have that. The league announced the phase two protocols that will take place maybe by next week or at least by the middle of June. We might see some video of players out on the ice as we get closer to the possible return of hockey, maybe by late July or, as you alluded to, August. And of course, our guest in the next segment, the great Linda Cohn from ESPN. Uh, Big time. New York sports fan, big Rangers fan. Uh, she'll join the show. We'll get some of her thoughts on uh, the NHL's return-to-play format as well as uh, maybe some of the other leagues as well to see where we were all at. So uh, it'll be a, a, a packed show today, Greg. I don't think 60 Minutes is going to be able to contain it all.
1: It won't, but that's why we have Twitter, and that's why you can hit us up there, at Greg Linnelli, at Eric underscore Erlinson, and that's with a K. There. So let's get into it. And um, it does appear like the phase two memo sent to teams on Sunday and was made public on Monday was talking about players and staff and how they'll be administered, um, taking the COVID 19 test and uh, when they'll be able to train, how they'll be able to train, how many players will be involved. And all of it, I think, big picture is to slow walk this thing to make sure that the players who are the league's greatest assets as you have said before are comfortable with this whole process because as we have seen there have been some players who have been vocal about coming back some just don't want to take the risk but others also have been pretty vocal about time spent away from their family and as we came to find out regarding the Lightning, is one of t- two teams who voted against this uh, playoff format, 24 teams total, that it's more about the process uh, and how you get there and how many teams are sitting idly by and not playing as opposed to some of the lower seeds that are playing meaningful games uh, early on.
2: Yeah, let, let's start with that. Um, you know, Make sure everybody knows that the 2014 format is not a 2014 playoff. There's eight teams, 16 teams are going to play in uh, and then join the other four teams that get the bye um, to give you your 16 teams, you know, eight in each conference to have a regular playoff. And does that mean that teams like Montreal and Chicago that had little to no chance to get into the playoffs if the season played out as it was? Sure. But the 2014 format, um, I, I think, because you had to find a way to make it fair for, say, a team like the New York Islanders who were outside the picture when the league went on pause on March 12th but had games in hand, how are you going to be able to give them a fair opportunity to get into the playoffs? And I know a lot of people had thrown around the 20 number, you know, 20 teams to get to a, a play-in and then and then a playoffs. But I think this 24 just is a more rounded number and makes it easier for this to all to come together. So that will be the case. The Lightning will be one of those four teams that get a bye in regards to the team voting no, uh, I know that probably raised some eyebrows. Did it ever. Uh, Carolina, Carolina was the other team that voted no. And to make it clear, I know both Alex Kalorna come out and said this, and then I, I read a story involving Jordan Martinuk, who's the Carolina player rep, who was on a call yesterday with some of the media in the Carolina area. The, them voting no does not mean they don't want to come back and play. That's not what that means. They just didn't like this format. And from a Lightning perspective, they felt that, and and that's a majority of the players, felt that the team that they would play in the first round of the playoffs would have a competitive advantage because they would have already played a best-of-five situation to get into the postseason. Meanwhile, they've been playing these games, you know, the round robin, they would play games against Boston, Washington, and Philadelphia under this format, but... Those are, I mean, let's face it, they're not going to be anywhere in near the intensity level that they need to be, or at least in theory, that's the way it would look. So that was the issue that they had with this format and, and led to the no vote. And in Carolina's case, they felt that they had done enough to establish themselves as a playoff team. They sat in that first wild card position when the league went on pause and they felt that they had done enough to just automatically qualify for the playoffs, and now they have to go into a situation where they have to play themselves in. So that's why they voted no. Neither team said that they don't want to come back and play. That's not what the vote was about. It was about the format and, and what was maybe a fair and competitive uh, situation that benefited them. Look, they voted selfishly, as we tend to do sometimes in these situations. You know, they, they looked at it only from their perspective, and that's a big reason why both those teams were the two that ended up voting no.
1: Yeah, and you know, it was interesting, the initial reaction on Twitter, and again, I think Twitter is probably about 2% of (laughs) the population out there, so it's tough to weigh in on how the majority of Lightning fans are feeling, but at least off of Twitter, that's what we have to go off of here in some ways to get some of this information out. Felt like this was the Lightning making excuses, and because of what happened last year, But I think when Kulorn broke it down, at least for me, it made a lot of sense. All right, so they don't want to sit there playing games. And let's face it, what they've talked about the NHL is playing some sort of round-robin with the top four teams. So they're still playing games while the other teams are in more of a competitive series. And I understand that from Kulorn's perspective. I also have to... Uh, come back and say he's got to understand as as I'm sure the team understands the optics of how that looks, and I think that is sure. probably the bigger issue than why they decided to vote no. I understand why they did it. I think this is a case where the optics just looked really bad from that
2: standpoint. Well, of course, I, I mean Carolina's being questioned for the same thing. You know, I saw right. I saw one columnist say, are, are are the Carolina Hurricanes being soft in this situation?" I mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah, you know, just look at it really from their close. perspective and, yeah. you know, you, you get it and you understand it. But you're right. Perception sometimes is reality, but it's not always reality. It, you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and find the rationale and the reasoning why these teams felt this way and the players felt this way. And I, and I think that when you kind of dig a little bit deeper and understand where they're coming from, you get why they would have voted no. But again, it was overwhelmingly passed 29-2 to two right. by the teams. So now the next step uh, obviously, the, the Phase 2 situation that the league came out yesterday, this 21-page document on the return-to-play situation, and Phase 2 was just small workouts. And the small workouts are interesting in that it's limited to six players. It has to be the same six players every time they work out, so you can't interchange groups in this setting. Those are the only six are going to be allowed to work at a set time, and then another group of six would have to come in. There's sanitation that has to go on between the two group workouts, uh, no coaches. There are no coaches allowed to be uh, on the ice and instructing anything with them. Uh, athletic trainers, equipment managers, uh, locker room attendants are about the only ones that are allowed to be in and around the players during these workouts. And uh, that'll be phase two, which will start, if not by next week, then by the middle of June, we'll have players back out on the ice. But uh, players have to wear a mask when they're not working out. They are will undergo temperature checks every time they come into the building. I think that's going to be the case with anybody who comes into Amelie Arena uh, anytime in the near future. Um, so, it, you know, in the, the testing, they have to be tested 48 hours before they can come in for those first workouts, and then they will be tested twice a week. So, again, we've talked a lot about that over the past few weeks, especially that the testing is, is kind of a big thing here. You have to make sure the players know that this the environment is a safe situation to be in and around or as safe as you can make it under these circumstances, and it starts with the testing.
1: Well, and let's face it, Tui, e, I've said this in some ways the, the last couple of weeks, and it's being confirmed right now. Th- these sports workplaces are going to be some of the safest places out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the yep. players, some of them are, are hesitant and not sure what to expect, you're talking about multiple tests a day. You're talking about having, at most, six players on the ice. Some would say, what exactly is that accomplishing? The cynic out there, I think it affords these guys an opportunity to get on the ice, and that's maybe the biggest thing. I was reading an article the other day about uh, players who um, have uh, gone more to the rollerblading. We've had uh, some lighting players on to see if that's something that they've um, gotten into. But as far as I'm concerned, if you are a player and you're seeing what they're doing around this, meaning the league and then the specific teams, there's no safer place. And now there's a penalty that comes um, from the league if you don't abide by these guidelines that the league has sent down, whether it's masks, whether it's sanitizing the places, whether it's having six players uh, on the ice, max, to participate. There could be loss of draft picks, a fine, and some other things that the league levies down on these teams. But as far as I'm concerned, e, if you're a player, the sports workplaces are going to be some of the safest places out there. And that certainly should ease their mind. It, it should. And that's what you have to do. And I think any
2: workplace has to do this. But we're, we're talking specifically about the sports arenas and, and the venues here that uh, I agree with you the the, the protocols that they're going to go into because you have to assure the players that it is safe, and these are the protocols. Now, you have to execute these plans, and I think they will. Um, you have to make sure that they're being done to the letter of what these protocols are. Uh, I know in reading that uh, the document yesterday that uh, if anybody had any questions whatsoever, Bill Daly was available for anybody that had questions from a player standpoint. Uh, and I believe there was another name on that list as well that they could reach out immediately to, to to you know express any concerns or anything like that. So they I think that I think the league in particular here has done a really good job of educating and giving the exact layout how how things are going to work because I think that is an issue. There's you know, there's been the, the, the two biggest issues that we've heard from the players is is it safe and then you know what about our family and they're taking care of the safety aspect here we'll see what they do to alleviate the concerns of players maybe being away from their family could these could the families come and stay with them at these hub cities how that all works that's all stuff that still has to be Uh, sort of negotiated between the the league and the Players Association, how all that's going to come forth. But I agree with you. I I think that these venues and these arenas are going to be among the safest places for them to go uh, during this time. And they've been self-isolating since March 12th. Uh, We do know that some players are going to have to come from other areas of, of the globe. You know, a lot of players, I think 17%, I think they said, went back to Europe. You have to find a way to bring those players back over. I did see something from uh, the U.S. government that said athletes coming back uh, would be allowed back into the country. Uh, No word yet if they would have to isolate themselves for 14 days. I don't know if I caught that part of it. But they are going to be allowed back in to come back to work. So that avenue has kind of been opened up there a little bit. So now it's going to be about getting players back into a situation to where they're close to their teams. Now, the one thing I did find interesting in this whole protocol is that no team has to mandate their players come back to their home cities so they can stay where they are, and that includes if they're in another NHL city. So let's, let's say you have players who are in Vancouver, but you know, you're know you the Carolina Hurricanes. Those players, the Hurricane players that are in Vancouver, have the ability to utilize whatever uh, Vancouver is using. So it, nobody has to be shown or told they have to come back and, and start these workouts. Now there are ways that they can do
1: it without necessarily having to travel. Yeah, and you can see the league trying to appease a lot of different circumstances and a lot of different people. And I think so far, it's it's working. I think once we continue to move into these different phases, we're going to see how the testing is, first and foremost. Are we have Do we have any new cases? And can you make this work by the end of July, early August, which some people might be targeting as the start of this? I think... The league is, is slow walking this, which they should, but I think once things start to heat up a bit e, in, in terms of there are no glitches and everybody feels pretty comfortable with the process, you might see things start to you know pick up pace a bit to see if they can pull this off at the end of summer, which is something I think they're still hoping to do.
2: For sure. And I think we have to look at whatever window of broadcasting that, say, NBC and and Sportsnet uh, in Canada had for the Olympics, which we know is not going to be held this summer. I think that's the area. to I think that's probably where they want to target because the broadcasts, they have this big open window of broadcast time that's not going to be filled. And if the NHL could come back and fill that time, I mean, look, I've been told that you can expect, at least in the early stages of these play-in games, three games per day in each hub city. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's a lot of games. Uh, that's a lot of airtime that they could use because it's face that it, the Olympics was basically airtime, probably what, 16, 18 hours of, of, of broadcast time uh, throughout the day. So that'll help fill some of it up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about getting back to that situation. And, and to do that, you have to make the players feel like uh, they're in a situation where they're not putting themselves in harm's way uh, and making it as safe as possible. Look, you can't make anything completely 100% safe in anything. Uh, But I think the league has done a really, really good job here of making sure the players have that that feel. All
1: All right, Linda Cohn from ESPN. She's a legend, and we're glad to have her on. We'll talk about the league and where they're headed when we return. It's the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: The hockey world might be on pause, but Eric Erlandson and Greg Linelli aren't. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
2: All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlandson. He is Greg Linelli, and we are thrilled right now to be joined by Linda Cohn from ESPN. Uh, Linda, we really appreciate your time coming on here on the show, and uh, we have to ask, you're out in California these days, how... How are things out uh, on on the left coast?
3: Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Big fans. Uh, How is it out here in the beautiful state of California? Well, getting better all the time. It's been a week since the beaches have been open and you can actually walk on the sand and things like that. Uh, Things I never took for granted, but uh, some people um, have in the past, and it's it's great. So um, every day... It looks better and better, and I think the news that we're hearing about our favorite sport also is getting better and better. So, you know, the fingers crossed and thinking positive have helped, and as long as they do it safely, I'm all in.
2: Well, what was your reaction to this 2014 play-in-the-playoffs situation that the NHL has, um, you know, and, and what that might look like in obviously unprecedented times, but it's got some bite to it, do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, it. it, it I, I didn't even blink when that proposal was out there. I'm like, let's go, uh, you know, and and the, who cares about the rest of the regular season? Sorry. And the reason yeah. why the number I like 24, because as you guys know, even though Tampa Bay, uh, a team that I picked to be in the Stanley Cup final this year, um, was sitting pretty, and they are one of the four uh, teams with a bye, well-deserved. Um, I think it was important to have 24, because there were several teams, as you guys know, that were on the bubble, and it really would have been unfair since we could not finish the regular season to have them on the outside looking in. I prefer this much better. It also creates incredible buzz. And I feel Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are not going to rush to do this without doing their due diligence, which they're doing now. The process is a slow one, maybe for some people, but we're into the so-called phase two. So probably, I believe early June, June 1st, what everything I'm hearing is that You know, um, six players at a time could be out on the ice uh, doing various things, non-contact and start it. And there's about 29, there's a 29 uh, uh, protocol, 29 things has to be done for even phase two to work. But uh, this is what we're looking at. And maybe then in July we're going to get going. And teams like Tampa, I like, you know it's really interesting. And I know you guys probably have gotten into this, but you know, all the reports are that only two teams did not want this. And that one of those teams was Tampa Bay. The other was Carolina, Carolina in their first round matchup is set to face the New York Rangers, who they went Oh, and four against during the regular season. Uh, and they, you know, obviously Carolina piled up a heck of a lot more points than the Rangers, but I'm sure deep down they felt this was unfair to them just being on the outside, looking in of that four, top four. But, um, you know, Tampa, um, I get it. You know, they felt, um, Alex Killorn reading his quotes, as you guys know, talking about it wouldn't have been fair for a t- to go up against a team that played this best-of-five series, this playing in round, which five through tw- uh, 12 through, you know, the outside the top four would be having to play, and they'll be, you know, red hot and all warmed up. So the round-robin teams would reportedly play uh, the buy teams will re- reportedly play a round robin tournament to get themselves round up. So, bottom line is this: everybody wants to play. There's no best case scenario. It's great for the league to get going again, and I think that's most important uh, for everyone involved.
1: Linda, I'm I'm curious. To me, it seems like that the sports workplaces are going to be some of the safest safest places out there. Do you get that sense? No doubt, people are going to have to be careful moving forward, but. Boy, these athletes in any sport are going to have access to the best care in large part because owners need to protect their best assets. Do you feel like that's something that the players should feel a little bit more comfortable as they kind of ease their way into this?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very good point um, because the way everything I'm seeing and you guys are probably hearing and reading the same things, it's really going to be a type of a bubble atmosphere, right? You know, um, you know, team, uh, players that come over, Obviously, outside the United States, um, from different countries, they're going to have to go into a, a 14-day self-quarantine situation before they even can um, share a uh, playing surface or a dressing room or an area with their teammates. But I feel if I was a member of the National Hockey League and if I was a player, I would feel good about, you know, just talking it out with my teammates and and kind of getting as much Educate education they can and inform, you know, be informed so they can make a good decision and know there was no stress involved. So, um, of course, they know they're probably being taken care of the best. They probably will be, unlike, you know, here, us mere mortals who have to <laughs> kind of do things uh, with the proper logistics. As always, professional athletes will always get that edge uh, and because there's so many more people so many more uh, situations and things surrounding them that are involved here and there's a lot of money involved here too uh, for the owners for the league and for the players who by the way do want to get paid
2: linda Cohn from espn here joins us on power lunch and Linda, how about from a the way we cover the sports sort of angle? Uh, what has the challenges been for you guys at ESPN with no live sports now for two months? And how do you think it's going to look forward? Are things going to change in the way that we cover and follow the sports?
3: Well, for, for the first part of your question, um, I, I think ESPN has been doing a great job. Um, you know, first in Bristol, Connecticut, the major hub of ESPN, for those who don't know, Um, You know, sports centers, several sports centers, they've been going on and they have been creating content and they've been keeping all sports fans informed uh, and doing, you know, the best job they can possibly do. Um, As for programming, we all, you know, really sat down and watched uh, as a family or by yourself or with your friends, not too many friends. Um, You know, the last dance, it was so great, got such great ratings. It was so well done. A fabulous documentary. So we probably, you know, and we're probably going to see more of that documentary type style programming, which we are with the fabulous Thirty for Thirties that ESPN does. Now I'm based in Los Angeles. Our studios are not open yet, but you know I have no crystal ball, but I do believe that probably, you know, in a month I wouldn't be surprised if they will be open. And I'm, and I know for a fact, you know, there've been talks and meetings by higher ups right now to figure out the best protocol on how to open a studio like that. And, you know, you guys know this as well. You can't be in the same studio yourselves. You're, we're, you know, uh, broadcasting from different parts. I think we're all, um, affected by that. And so as part of um, your second question regarding how we're going to cover sporting events, well, when these games do get underway and they will get underway, whether it's in the NHL and the NFL or the NBA major league baseball, we hope as well. Um, you know, there will be no fans. And uh, there, I honestly believe there will be no media. And if there is media at in attendance, I believe there would be some pool situation. I don't know anything, but it's not going to be a situation where A, uh, tons of media will be allowed at this event. Uh, if there is media allowed at this event, I would see, probably say a handful would be allowed and there would be a rotating type of situation. And there would be a sharing of... Uh, material and content. Um, It just has to be this way. Um, And the rest of the media would have to cover the sporting events uh, from their couch, just like fans will have to watch their favorite teams from their couch. I mean, I know nothing, but that's what I think is the way we are going to uh, get back into the game in a very uh, methodical process of safety.
1: Lynn, I'm wondering, too, what the new norms will be long-term for all sports? I mean, short-term, we understand there's going to have to be some sacrifices, no fans in the stands and certain social distancing. But do you get the sense that once this is put behind us, and and I think in some ways people come to their senses a bit when they take a look at all the data and and how much this virus is really affecting people. um, Do you think there's going to be major structural changes to how people, go to games or view games or do you feel like at the end of the day it's going to come back to normal you know whenever that is
3: i don't know when that is but i do believe uh we'll get back to uh something close to what we had um it's going to take time not because of anything i know i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist but i really hope people who are listening and I'm thinking a lot of people are figuring it out now that you really have to be educated and get your information uh, regarding this and everything else when you think about it uh, from different sources and balance that out and, uh, and get it from people who know, who, may, who sadly may be being censored right now. And I still don't get and I still don't understand how this pandemic could have been politicized and this is this is probably to me besides the uh, horrific deaths and the situations in nursing homes where most of these deaths have taken place um, and also you know where a lot of these people who have passed away it's just so sad because of pre-existing illnesses and thus by being susceptible having a, a poor immune system uh, they were easily able to contract, sadly, COVID-19. And it was a death sentence for them. But for those who are looking to remain healthy, stay healthy and protect their loved ones, especially their older loved ones, they I'm seeing now people are now educating themselves more than they were a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, three months ago. And that is a good sign.
2: Linda Cohn from ESPN is with us here on Power Lunch. And, uh, Linda, you mentioned that the Carolina could face the Rangers. Uh, you know, the, the Rangers are a team that uh, probably scare Carolina a little bit. You mentioned that the Hurricanes went 0-4 against them. But they were as hot as any team in the league when everything went on pause back on, on March the 12th. But between Mika Zibanejad and Sushurkin in goal, you like the Rangers' chances maybe against Carolina in that situation?
3: Yeah, I think I think some people with Carolina like the Rangers chances. Maybe some of the players. That's right, but you just never, you know, you really never know, right? I mean, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't care what format it is. And that's another thing. I mean, you know, throughout the decades of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the format, I mean, has changed um, at periods of time. So it's not like there should be an asterisk, by the way, on this postseason. You know, it's just like people down the road, you know, your grandkids, your great grandkids will learn that that was the year of the, you know, coronavirus pandemic, and they had to change their format. But there should not be an asterisk, by the way. I mean, things happen, life happens. And so changes had to be made. So I had to get that out of the way. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows with a long layoff, what I love about this format, if you're, if they do end up, playing it and there are no setbacks is the fact that everyone starts on a clean slate, meaning most of these teams, I would probably say all but one maybe, and I can't think of the one right now uh, are healthy. Like think about all the players. I mean, look at, look at your captain, Steven Stamkos. He's healthy. He would not have been healthy if the playoffs started mm-hmm. in the normal fashion. Um, You know, in Colorado, you have, you know, uh, Nathan McKinnon, another one. You have these superstars who were really banged up, many of them, you know, huge names, uh, healthy. And you have uh, complete rosters that are healthy and have healed from uh, their many uh, bumps and bruises and breaks. And that's why I feel it would be, uh, you know, a fair competition. Probably the most fair and the most even of a competition in the Stanley Cup playoffs that we've ever seen.
1: It's a great point. And uh, Linda Cohen joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You know, Linda, you mentioned uh, earlier about the Lightning and where they're possibly headed this year. A team that's been so close to winning um, the Stanley Cup, they've had really a couple of heartbreaks the last couple of years, and of course we know what happened last year. Do you feel like this team uh, over the last few years has positioned themselves as well as anybody in the league in terms of fixing and figuring out the salary cap, getting high-end players signed to long-term deals, but you know, somewhat team-friendly deals, and then drafting and developing well? It just seems like it's a matter of time before this team does eventually get a Stanley Cup with this core group.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, I've always loved this core group. I've been all in. And yeah, last year wasn't fortunate, but that's what I was to my earlier point about the Stanley Cup playoffs, how you just never know. But um, they were in a good situation. Um, It was a learning experience for them. And you see great teams who eventually win the Stanley Cup, go through learning experiences, uh, certain core groups. You know, I'm old enough to remember before your time, back in the day, the Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky on that team. And I grew up on Long Island. And um, every year, the New York Islanders just would have Wayne Gretzky's number in the Edmonton Oilers. And I remember... um, I think it was one of the, yeah, I forgot which one. It might have been the second Islander Stanley Cup or third. I can't, probably second or third that they won four in a row. They beat the they beat Wayne Gretzky, probably the last one. They beat Wayne Gretzky, and that's what it was, the fourth one. They beat Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers in the final, and they did so easily. And it was like that core group, that amazing team, if you look back on that roster uh, back in the early 80s and see who was on that team along with Wayne Gretzky, you know. They had to go through and find out how to win and figure it out, how to win the ultimate prize. And they had to get their heads bashed in, not physically, but just in all aspects of the game by the New York Islanders. And they came back the following year and then finally, finally beat the Islanders and won the Cup. And I really believe that's where the Tampa Bay Lightning were headed. They were ha- they were following that same type of path. They had the talent, but they didn't know the intangible of what you have to do to win a Stanley Cup. And I think they were finding that out this season after what happened last year. And that's really the first thing that comes to mind when, the, when I think about how close the Tampa Bay Lightning are and what this incredible ownership has built. Uh, you know, i just incredible mix of stars and talent, young players and veterans.
2: Yeah, there's that famous story, right, of, of Gretzky walking by the Islanders' locker room. And Correct. And the Islanders, rather than celebrating, they all had ice packs on their knees and everywhere, and he just kind of reflected and goes, wow, that's, that's how hard they had to work to get that done. Maybe that's what we need to do. So... Uh, definitely some reflection uh, moments there. And I and maybe last year was, was going to be that moment for Tampa Bay. Maybe we'll get that opportunity. Hopefully we'll get that opportunity uh, a little bit later on this summer. And uh, we're just seeing, by the way, Gary Bettman is supposed to have a formal announcement at 430 exactly what the return to play elements are going to be. So we'll all certainly tune in for, for that later That's today. That's great. What, That's good. One of the things that – I've been wondering, I don't. we haven't really talked about it much on the show, but how much do you think that this playoff is going to change maybe the way the game is played a little bit? Do you think that we'll see less scrums around the net that become so prominent in playoff play? Uh, I don't think you'd see anybody dropping the gloves in these situations. I mean, do you think in that aspect we might see a little bit of a different
3: style of play from the players? Yeah, um, I don't want the game to change. I don't want the kind of play that we see in the Stanley Cup playoffs to change because of this. Um, I, you know, if I was a betting person, a serious betting person, um, I would I would say it won't change. And by the way, we don't see a lot of fighting anyway in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank goodness. You know, um, I feel probably the officials uh, might be told maybe to break up the scrums a little quicker than normal. Um, I think that might be a situation. Um, And Let's get on with the play. Um, but, you know, I feel that it would be um, for, for me as a hockey fan, longtime hockey fan, be unfor- it would be unfortunate if the actual game, that style that we love so much, um, brute force and speed changes. I get the no high fives, but, you know, you can fist pump with your gloves on, you know, I mean, all that. But I do feel that the game will not change considerably. And that would be a great thing. Uh, because of this.
1: Linda Cohn joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linnelli along with Eric Rolinson. And, you know, it's, it is going to be interesting when you talk about the parity in today's game. Every team, Linda, is going to be dealing uh, with the same circumstances, having been off the ice for a considerable amount of time. But also, too, what I find interesting is just about every team is going to be healthy. So while maybe the play early on could be choppy, we do have an opportunity to see some really good hockey maybe late in these playoffs because for the most part, teams are relatively healthy.
3: Yeah, uh, relatively healthy and just, uh, you know, let's figure it out. I mean, a normal postseason, right, is usually two and a half months. It won't be as long this time. But um, if you just do the math, it, it they might, you know, mo- during the regular season, even though it's a different style of play, Um, you really start seeing that great kind of hockey in December and January. And that's really where we're, we're looking at, but yeah, I believe the teams will be rusty. I think the hockey will be kind of slow pace um, early on, maybe that, you know, that, that first round or the play in round that best of five, you know, first game or two, but you know, it is what it is. You know Um, I think, I think I'm all for, what we have never seen before, meaning whatever we get, I'll take. Because uh, I love the game so much, just like you guys, and I want to see it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm anxious to see what kind of games out there. But you're right, as I mentioned earlier as well, um, it's a level playing field, everyone will be healthy. Um, and that's refreshing because you know you don't want to see your superstars uh be half a sh- half of themselves a shell of themselves when it matters most and and you want you want the proper the um not necessarily the most talented uh team because some a lot of times that doesn't win the Stanley Cup just look at the winners of the President's Trophy compared to if they went on to win the Stanley Cup. That doesn't happen a lot. Um, You know, we would like, I'm just anxious to see whatever game it is. I'm ready for it. I want it to happen. And I'm really excited that uh, Commissioner Bettman is going to have this press conference and let everyone know instead of us speculating about it or hearing things. And let's get the show on the road. And we're also hearing, you know, from other sports, great things in the hard hit areas of New York and New Jersey that uh, their places, their stadiums, their arenas, and you think about the NFL season coming up, and it's a big one in Tampa. And full disclosure, even though I make it well-known on Twitter, at Linda Cohn that uh, I love Tom Brady, so I'm very excited for the Buccaneers season and what he will bring to that team. So, you know, we're starting to get that electricity and that buzz about the NFL, um, as well as uh, stadiums and protocol and governors are you know, saying, let's let's get this going, let's get the phases going. And because bottom line, guys, it's money, you know, money, 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 money. And that's why when everyone has always asked me, you know, is this going to get going, whether it's in the NHL, NBA, you know, MLB, or, of course, NFL, who makes the most dough, it's happening. You know, they're figuring it out. They're smart people running these leagues, and we're going to see it. And we're going to see a product, no matter what it is, And there's going to be haters out there who's like, oh, you know, I can't believe this. This is awful hockey, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to be one of me. Uh, uh, That's not going to be me. I'm going to love whatever they put on the ice, considering these amazing, challenging circumstances. And I will applaud it because it's really big for these players. Uh, Even though they want to get paid, you know, health is first and foremost with not only them, but everyone involved.
2: And for the fans, too, right? Like, the, the, yeah. like, we're just dying for something on TV just to kind of watch. I mean, I, I've been watching the German soccer league, and I'm a soccer fan, but I've been watching that, and that's been interesting to watch uh, with no fans in the stands and how that has been uh, come across on the broadcast. And But, you know, we, we want that. We, 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 we crave that. We remember how much sports means to us. What was it yesterday? Yesterday was the first Memorial Day with no baseball since, what, 1880 or something Ugh. like that. That's crazy yeah. to kind of think about. In those those lines, Um, you bring up the NFL and you bring up your uh, appreciation for Tom Brady. Where does being followed by Eli Manning on Twitter rank in your accolades?
3: I love you know, you know, I kid around. I'm I'm I love Eli so much. I'm president of his fan club. He doesn't know that, but I am. I mean, I'm the biggest Eli apologist. Not that he needs to have one. But if he hired one, I would be perfect for the job. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, Eli. of course, I'm a longtime Giants fan. I grew up a Giants fan since I was a little girl, still am. Uh, but Eli, to me, there's nobody better in my mind, just cares. Great human off the field and on. And, yeah, I'm just loving that he's on Twitter. He's, he's just an amazing human. He's funny as hell. I know Peyton's funny, but Eli is sneaky funny. Uh, he's just fanta- He's just a fantastic human being, first and foremost. And guess what? I love players that kick butt and do their best when it matters most and to block out all the noise uh then you when you're an nfl quarterback in new york state in the metropolitan area like he had to block out and just go about and win two super bowls against the best team in football against the so-called genius uh who runs the new england patriots to me, is amazing. He <laughs> saved his best for when it mattered most. And you know what? It's fabulous. So, And then Tom Brady is just, you know, what can I say? Even though Eli beat him twice, um, he still is and is the GOAT, and he's great, and he's going to be fabulous with the Buccaneers. It's just great. We've seen a Brady, by the way, that his personality now has been allowed to come out um, since he left the Patriots. I mean, when you go on Howard Stern and then you're you know, you're you're just, and you're funny on Twitter, you know, that too is great. So those are my two favorite quarterbacks on Twitter and off Twitter.
1: Linda, last question for me. You know, you mentioned Eli and and Peyton being funny. I'm curious, you know, through all of this, we've kind of seen, you know, the the NHL players, their personalities come out a a bit. Do you think that's something that the league should try and push a bit more to kind of see some of the, the real personalities in this game? And do you feel like the more we see it, you know, maybe the, the better the game will be off the ice.
3: Yeah, you know, I've always thought that. I mean, um, personality, having personality, showing off personality, as long as it's genuine, not something created on social media. Um, it's one thing doing, you know, when I mentioned like on Twitter, because those two, you know, getting on Twitter was a big deal when, the each, when each did, when Tom Brady did, and now recently Eli Manning. Uh, But when you're, you know, on TikTok doing, you know, videos that you're rehearsing, uh, that doesn't do it for me. Um, There's so many of these players that are so genuinely funny. I'm talking about in the NHL. Um, I'm just thinking about guys. I mean, you guys know from the Lightning, who's probably uh, the funniest guy on the team. But there's always like a handful of really funny guys on the team that are just real uh not phonies and i think of like one of the guys he played for the rangers for a short time which he still was a ranger uh he's on florida now keith yandel is one of these guys he's just a funny uh good guy but we don't know it you know you don't know it nationally i mean you know you see um certain players that are propped up as so called funny guys and and uh creative guys but i do wish the nhl uh would do that with you know many of their players now we're not going to get you know, stands up comedy routines from Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. Those guys are not funny, per se, that we know of. We'll, we'll leave that to uh, P.K. Subban. What? What'd you say?
2: We'll leave that to P.K. Subban.
3: Yeah, he's the guy that is has mastered the social media and all that with his TikTok videos, uh, uh, which is fine, which is great, but can we have more than P.K.? Because I know there are more out there. So I think we should have a little competition. I mean, that's what should have happened besides these TikTok videos with their significant others. Should have a little stand-up comedy uh, routine in their respective living rooms, see who is the funniest NHL player. I would have been totally locked into that.
2: Well, we'll have to throw Alex Kalorn into that because I don't know if you checked out any of his Talk series that he's done. He he takes his jet ski around the waterways and the canals in downtown Tampa and pulls up to the the docks of Steven Stamkos and Ryan McDonough. He's trying to get Tom Brady on the show because Brady is in that area. Now he passes by every time. So that's, that's one of the things we've seen because Alex corn, you're right. He's one of those guys on Tampa that doesn't get that sort of notoriety for being a funny guy, but he really is, you know, he, well, he's a Harvard if guy. Fo- and-
3: if I, yeah. If I'm not following him already, I'm going to follow him in any of, you know, Uh, in any of his social media platforms now that you have said that because yeah he's the kind of guy right up my alley besides being a great player my goodness uh, on Tampa Bay by the way he was on my fantasy team when it suddenly came to a stop also on March 12th Alex (laughs) I just want to make clear of that Um, so you know um, yeah I will that's fantastic and that's great and I can't imagine why Brady wouldn't want to go on. I mean, you got to make friends with fellow Tampa Bay professional sports uh, athletes and players on each team. And I think he I think Brady's doing that. I think he has to. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised once we get going here with this 2014 playoff when the, you know, lightning get involved after their round robin thing. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tom Brady um, from his living room, perhaps watching a lightning game and then someday maybe watching them in person. I could see him totally embracing it. I mean, you can do, a do puck that for at parents. some point
2: if, when we get safe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last question here for you, Linda. i be a little selfish on this one, but uh, my son just graduated from college uh, earlier this month. Um, right. Broadcast degree. What what sort of advice would you give to any young broadcasters nowadays, um, you know, to kind of try and get their foot in the door?
3: Well, uh, for, again, congratulations. That's big. Thank you. Um, um, I think the ba- I think uh, he's in a time now where there's pros and cons. Um, obviously, the cons is trying to get a job now is very tough in that field for obvious reasons with the uh, pandemic. Um, but there'll be a time when he will get um, you know work in that area. But he needs to. Um, uh, he lives in a good time. The pros is that he can really hone his skills with, you know, he has so many social media platforms he can use. He can, uh, you know, uh, have his own channel on YouTube. Uh, he can do things. He can create his own little, you know, um, uh, platform, his own little you know, I'm using it as just a, uh, an example, but his own little barstool sports, if you know what I mean, of just, mm-hmm. you know, doing highlights or, you know, commenting on funny pieces of video or showing off his skills and something that he wants to do. Or if it's sports talk, you know, like you, you know, like his dad and. Um, then he would, he can hone his skills and do that and really, you know, start recording himself on his iPhone or wherever, or, you know, just so he can get better while he sits here and, and just constantly pound, you know, all the job channels, you know, Indeed, LinkedIn. I mean, my son um, graduated a year ago, and he was working. And now he's because of this pandemic, he's looking again for work. And he, he was in PR and communications, Uh, he interned, Uh, for several teams, the Steelers and the Penguins, uh, as an internship in that area. And, you know, he's looking to branch out, you know, can can he can he have his own radio show? Uh, Perhaps, but maybe not now. So now he's looking into sales. And so that would be the other thing I would recommend because of the situation we're in. Maybe your dream job won't happen For your first job, which usually it doesn't for most humans, um, but you might want to have him broaden out uh, and look at different areas so he can have something solid on his resume. And because if you're, you know, the key is working, you know, the key is having a job, not any job, but a job close to your field. And that's what I would say. So expand what you're looking at, perhaps, in employment. And then two, when you're down time, just hone your skills and get your talents out there using social media.
2: All right, Linda, well, we can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate you uh, joining us here on the show. Uh, continued health to you and your family, and I uh, look forward to seeing you back uh, in the studio uh, on a regular basis uh, when we all can kind of pass this on the other side.
3: Sounds good to me, and same to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks. thanks.
2: Linda. Linda Cohn there from ESPN joining us, and uh, that was a fun conversation. We appreciate uh, her time. Um, just really cool to
1: talk to Linda, wasn't it? Well, it's somebody that, you know, you watch a lot, you know, yeah. especially somebody like us and more so me, not, not you because you're a lot older than I am. But, <laughs> yeah, uh... yeah I,
2: I thought about that
1: when she said uh, <laughs> b- before your time <laughs> yeah. about the Oilers. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, I grew up watching Linda Cohn. I mean, she was a staple. She is a staple at yep, ESPN. And it's always, it's always really cool, too, when you have a guest, it sounds just like they are on the air yeah like it, she sounded exactly the way she does a newscast or a sportscast which was tremendous so um that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun and huge hockey fan and you know i think she's excited to see as we all are the league start to get back to some normalcy here and, and the games get back but it was it was good to get her perspective Yep, that was always good. Um, Speaking of fun,
2: have you downloaded the latest Block Party podcast yet? This week, Seth Kushner is joined by lightning forward Blake Coleman to discuss how he found out he was going to become a father, the toughest goalie he's ever faced, and if he knows how many games he's played with the Lightning, how he's staying in shape, and, of course, pickle juice. This episode comes out tomorrow. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search for the Block Party with Seth Kushner and hit subscribe. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I'm Eric Erlinson. He's Greg Linnelli. We'll wrap things up when we come back right after this.
0: Greg Linnelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
2: And welcome back to Power Lunch here. I'm Eric Erlinson. He is Greg Linelli, and we kind of mentioned it there in the middle of our interview with uh, Linda Cohn, and can't thank her enough for agreeing to come on the show and spending some time with us. But uh, Gary Bettman will make a formal announcement today about the 2014 format. Now, what's interesting, Greg, is we don't know exactly what he's going to announce. We'll speculate as we tend to do, and I've seen a lot of people uh, fly across my Twitter timeline about what they think it might be. It could be anything as simple as reiterating what w- took place over the weekend, what the players voting mm-hmm. for the 2014 format to the phase two institution, or will he announce the hub cities or anything else? Uh, curious to see where that's going to take place. But again, that'll be uh, at four thirty today. Uh, it'll be broadcast live by the way on NHL network, as well as on NBC sportsnet um, and NHL.com.
1: But uh, actual real hard news that we can get from the commissioner yeah. today. So Bob McKenzie is, Reporting that the GMs will get the details of the return-to-play format on a 3 p.m. conference call with the league, so it'll be curious to see if anything leaks from that because that is by about 3:05 th-
2: p.m. We should know.
1: Yes, That's and uh, I'm sure that will frustrate Gary Bettman. <laughs> but um, look for look for some leaks to come out and for people to give us an idea of what this call is going to be about. I think if he comes out and gives us an idea, maybe at least which hub cities are still in the running, if you want to use that word, um, I think would start to – because I I think you almost have to at this point because now mentally organizations, players – you can start to see the wheels moving a bit here. You can start to see that, okay, you know what? We can get on the ice. Uh, If you come out and start talking about hub cities and where you're going to be playing, then I think this is all part of the process. Then you get an idea, okay, we're going to be playing in Vegas. We're going to be playing somewhere in Canada. Maybe it's down here in Tampa. I don't know. But I think think you want to start to give teams an idea to get focused on where this is going to take place and then obviously logistically so you can start to – figure out as an organization how you're going to do this.
2: Yeah, if this is going to be a slow process to get to where they want to get to, and that's to, to be playing games again, you have to kind of start to implement some sort of a timeline or give some sort of a time estimate of when you would like all of this to kind of take place. Because as we mentioned, you have players that have to come over from Europe. You have players who are not in their teams home cities we know Mm -hmm. in particular with tampa bay blake coleman is in texas when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago i know pat maroon uh, is back in st louis um you know so there's a lot of those logistics that have to be taken care of you still have to consider the two-week quarantine once players come back i know as part of that phase two any player that uses pub, a public mode of transportation, and that includes airline flights, even trains, to get back to their home cities, are being asked to isolate for 14 days. You have to kind of account for that in the time frame uh, and everything like that. Uh, I would assume that training camps will probably take place in home cities. Maybe that'll be announced today. Um, you know, but uh, a, a lot of a lot of stuff to kind of look forward to here. Um, and and I can tell you too, Greg, from what I've understand. Uh, we know that the the two city hub is probably the most likely scenario, and yeah. uh, any any team that's a hub city has to be able to house three teams inside their building. Sorry, six six teams inside their building for three games. You, you, the potential that you're probably going to have to have three mm-hmm. games played per day at least in the play in situation. So that probably opens up more more likely scenario for you know a Vegas with their new building there. Uh, and how big they have and they can accommodate that much. And Edmonton is in that situation, again, a newer building that can accommodate more. I think those are the two potential cities that we've seen. We even saw over the weekend L.A. all of a sudden now is a potential city because, you know, you have the hotels right next to the Staples Center. There's actually an underground walkway that you can get to from those hotels to the Staples Center. Uh, So a, a city that maybe we hadn't even considered before now is potentially a hub city. Uh, so lots of uh, yeah. lots of moving parts, but you're right. You have to start to give some sort of a time element on this.
1: And Pierre LeBrun, maybe trying to caution everybody, uh, this this came out probably about a half hour ago. He said, again, let me repeat myself. The format is just the first step. So many more hurdles to overcome. More negotiations needed between the NHL and the NHL Players Association over hub cities, testing protocols, the format is just step one. No guarantee yet that the 2019-2020 season is completed despite best intentions. And that's, I think we all assume the league is coming back, but we probably in the back of our minds have to keep it there that, you know, there is always the chance. They just cancel it. I think if they do, it'll be somewhat of a shock, but, you know, they're getting all the data available. Yeah.
2: And, um, you know, there's a lot at stake. And again, as long as you can do this the right way, if you have the protocol set in place, look, the 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 2014 announcement was just that. That's just yeah. the format. Now there's so many other things that have to be negotiated and worked with. You know, we mentioned the family situation and a lot of players have expressed interest in not being away from their family for four, six, eight, ten weeks, whatever it might end up being. How does the league handle that? How does that get negotiated? Uh, revenues, all all that kind of stuff is yeah. still there. But at least there's an outline now, right? Like that's just we have an outline now. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of work with it. How's the wording going to work? And that's all part of the negotiation process. I understand the caution, and Pierre has been one of those guys going back to late March who said he didn't think the league would come back at all. You know, I understand the caution there, and that element is certainly still there. I just don't think that's a likely scenario. I think that's that's a a, a remote situation. I think the league comes back and they play games no no earlier than uh, the the late July, probably more along the August timeline that you've talked about.
1: Yeah, it's a good point, and it's something we're going to continue to monitor here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. All righty, that's going to wrap it up for us today. We have any loose ends we got to tie up here, or
2: we good? Nope, although we just did confirm that uh, Rick Peckham will join us on the show tomorrow. Ooh, so uh, yes. Fox Sports Lightning TV play-by-play boys, Rick Peckham Love will it. be back with us tomorrow.
1: That'll be a lot of fun, so we look forward to that. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, please do. At Greg Lanelli at Eric underscore Erlinson. Thanks to Steve Versnick and E, thanks to you. Great job as always. Thanks to you for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow, noon to one on Letting Power Play.